This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... It was like pistol whipping a blind kid. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Hope everybody had a good Easter and a happy Passover. Is that something you said? That was my question earlier, because I know that there was one holiday where I went into my boss, and I know it wasn't Happy Hanukkah, because that's a definite saying for sure. It is, yes. But I know I said something, and she was like, you don't say happy for that holiday. And I'm like, well, if it wasn't Hanukkah, then maybe it was Passover. So do you say happy Passover? I think you do say happy Passover. Like, Hmm. I think you do. Because, like, but there's, like, that, yeah, like, that one holiday, it's basically, like, saying, like, happy fasting and atoning for your sins. I don't know, Tom. You're just going to tell me, like you did before, like it's a holy high holiday. Yeah, like, so I it's mean, like, like 420. So you're basically getting it. <laughs> <laughs> you're basically getting it. Um, you know, like it's a hall, it's a holy day, not a holiday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you change one valve and the whole thing is just <laughs> not the same as it should be. <laughs> because I remember I made that. F- it's Yom Kippur. Oh. That's what it is. You're not supposed to say, like, happy Yom Kippur. Because I was like, oh, I'm like, do you say happy Yom Kippur? And he's like, no, I haven't eaten all day. Please don't say happy Yom Kippur to me. And I'm like, okay. Because right, I had never worked with, you know, an entirely Jewish office before. So I was just like, eh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't get it at all. I mean, I don't even barely know my religion when it comes right down to it. I know that I piss God off a lot, obviously. You must, yeah. I mean, the way, like, you know. But, uh. Outside of that, I mean, what am I supposed to know about other people's religions at this point in time? I'm too old. You're too old for this shit. I mean, I'm closer to the mark of being able to just outright talk bad about people's religions. I'm closer to that age than I am the age of learning about other people's religions. When you said, like, Mark, I was like, oh, Mark of the Devil? Mark? like, didn't you just say, like, something like, I'm closer to oh, the I'm mark? Oh, I'm at that mark. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was yeah, yeah, like, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. I just pictured, like, uh, the yeah, mark yeah. of the beast. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like I have one of those as well. <laughs> I feel like if I don't, one will appear on me eventually, <laughs> very soon. You've got, like, a six, like, somewhere on your body, and then there's, like, another one, and, like, another one is just starting to, like, be slightly, like, etched into your skin. Yeah, and I keep looking, and I'm like, oh, why is there a letter B on me? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, because we're at the tail end of the holidays. Holiday weekend. <laughs> for for many religions at this point in time, I'm guessing. 420 included, since that's coming up That soon. is coming up. Um, we are probably going to just make it a quick show, because most of you are probably in, like, either ham coma or whatever Jewish people eat for their holiday coma. 
I think at this point they're probably eating like everything with yeast in it because I think like part of the stipulation of the holiday, like they have to eat like a lot of matzah. You know a lot more about this holiday than you let on. I think so. I did go to like a cedar like <laughs> twice, but I was really, really young and I remember not really liking the food, which my mom like told me up front. She's like, you're not going to like the food. Did you have gefilte fish? I'm assuming that there was something like that there, but like I remember there was something that I really liked and it might have just been matzahs. Because yeah. I do oh, generally well, like matzo a ball soup is incredible. It is, but I Bagel like Bagel and locks, if that's included, <laughs> count me in every time. Every time. Every time. But I think I just remember like crunching on like a lot of matzahs because I do like a matzah cracker. Yeah. But if you're going to make like, let's say, a big corned beef sandwich, put some Swiss cheese on it. <laughs> what? Because that's the thing. You can't mix a cheese and a meat. So, like, when we go to, like, Ben's, oh. right? Mm-hmm. You go there and you're, like, going, oh, what would you like? And you're, like, going, oh, I love a corned beef sandwich. I love, like, a pastrami. And you get, like, this, ma- like, just a massive sandwich. Like, hunka, huge. Hunka. Like, triple decker, but there's no decks of bread in between. It's just triple, triple story high meat. And then you're, like, going, ooh, can I get, like, you know, uh let's say corned beef with swiss no swiss you can't have cheese on it yeah and it's kind of like I'm i ordering prefer it i prefer it just straight up with like mustard man no man i like it with swiss cheese and horseradish mm, horseradish is good yes but then they give you the stringy horseradish and you're like no i want the creamy horseradish oh no but i like the stringy i like like the real horseradish <clears throat> anyway this show is not about horseradish it's not and it's not even about the holidays it really isn't because they're over it. like we might so call it the holidays now because it was holy such a days. clever name but <laughs> <The> uh, holy days <laughs> but i mean it really has nothing to do with that no so let's get into what you heard and then you will uh, tell you what it's about maybe So this week's You Heard bookends a recent You Heard we had that came to us from the Uptown A, um, except this time the two gentlemen are no longer at Fulton Street. They were at Chambers Street, which is the stop after Fulton or before Fulton, depending on which you're going, but we're going Uptown, so it's a stop after. (laughs) And this gentleman said, and I quote, I don't really know music that well. What do you think about a comment like that? I think he's a big fat liar. I think he's full of shit myself. I think everybody knows something about music. Like how does, are there people who live a life that hasn't been touched by music? Maybe like really, really, no, 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 absolutely not. Because everybody's been touched by music. Even in the remote villages, like they've got things that they make music with. Bongos and and things like that, right? Yes, Tom. Thank you for, you know, stopping wherever you were going to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) I just waved my hand and you you just... You gave me a look too. I did see you. I did see your eyes like kind of light up like you're entering the danger zone. (laughs) (laughs) Like pull up seriously. So I I didn't want to. Danger zone. You obviously know a lot about music. I love music. Because I can't get you to stop. But anyway, 
I please, would say, please take over my segment. No, no, no. My you one asked, segment. You literally asked me a question about it. I know, but then it like it goes off into these. Well, you can't ask me a question and not get an answer. Please. I'd feel like okay. I'd betray you okay. and the listening audience if I did something You'd like be that. Certainly betray us. And I would go. not want to be known as Tom the Betrayer. Actually, that's kind of a good it name. Like a, it's I think a very that I would biblical be. name. Yeah. No, I don't want to be Tom the Betrayer from the biblical. I would want to be like a Marvel-like supervillain. Tom the Betrayer. Tom the Betrayer. Oh, Tom the Betrayer, get the lead together. Okay. So anyway, as far as music goes, I would say everyone knows about it. Because, I mean, even if you don't know nothing about music, you can't avoid it. You can't get in the elevator usually and not hear music if you go to a, like, a good enough building. You can't, like, go into a mall and not hear music. You can't go into, like, a lot of stores and not you hear music. You can't get music. on a subway without hearing music, whether it's showtime, everybody, or somebody else's music that they're playing without their fucking earphones. Yeah. So for somebody to say something like that, you're just being a pretentious turd is what it comes down to. Right. And, I mean, like, and this was also the guy who said, you know, art is a way to express yourself. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Like, obvs. Yes. So it's like, I just... Music, I'm not musical at all. Like, I am extremely tone deaf. I took one instrument lesson for, like, a summer when I was 14. I played the drums, and I made everybody call me Nicky Rocket. <clears throat> After Ricky Rocket from Poison, of course. But, like, music has always been, like, my biggest muse. Like, I can't write without it. You know, and there's people that I know, like, you, when you're writing, you can't have any type of sound or anything like that. Because th- I think faster than I type. That's and see, like, why. I need it in the background because the music inspires me. But like, you know how to type. I do know how to so type. So it's a different story. You can keep up with your thoughts. I can't. Thank you, senior year typing class. I wish I would have done that. I wish you would have, too. No, I didn't. You're a pecker. I know. Like a type pecker, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway. It's the pecker. It's the pecker. <laughs> You make me happy. (laughs) Anyway, that was this week's You Heard. So this week's You Heard actually goes with the theme of this week's show, um, the interview that we have. And this week we interview Elliot Glazer, who is a writer for... Um, Younger and Broad City, which stars his sister, Alana, who obviously plays Alana, so it's not just a clever first name. Mm. And he's also written for New Girl. But we're not talking about those shows. No, we're talking about a show that Elliot has kind of made into this awesome little world of music and comedy. And it's called Haunting Renditions. And it's a bi-coastal monthly musical showcase where he takes these shitty pop songs and turns them into fully orchestrated productions that have a full band, vocal harmonies, and guests, like past guests have included his sister Alana, um, comedian John Glazer, who we love from John Loves Gear. And, and confuses the hell out of me because same last name. But so it's spelled different. So I it's know, but same, when you say same, it. but different. I know, but when you say it, it's kind of like Alana Glazer. And, and it's like, and then John Glazer. And it's kind of like, wait a minute. It's like, oh, and this Glazer family is so multi-talented. Right. So, but he does, because music is, you know, a love of his. And this was a way for him to really meld his two creative outlets 
fits into one. So Haunting Renditions is on April 20th at the Bell House in Brooklyn. You know it. You know it. And this month features Thorgy Thor from RuPaul's Drag Race, who is just off, awfully fabulous, and <laughs> Michelle Buteau. So, you know, we talked to Elliot about, you know, what his process is, how is it different writing for each different show, and then as, as for himself, you know, what his process is doing for that, because, you know, he has to kind of treat going to for a show like writing for a show differently than he would for himself so he talks about his process a little bit he talks about who was funnier when they were children himself or his sister Ilana and of course you know we start off by talking about haunting renditions with Elliot Glazer so let's find out what he has to say all right let's roll that bean footage Elliot? Yes. Hi, it's Nikki from the High Regard Show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for speaking to us. We really appreciate you coming on to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, being so flexible. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. So we definitely love to start talking about um, Haunting Renditions Live, which is returning to Brooklyn next Thursday on April 20th. Can you give us a little bit of background on how the series came about? Sure. Um, well, uh, a few years ago, my friend Seth and Seth, who's a uh, he works on Jimmy Fallon. He and I grew up together, and we're always um, collaborating on stuff. Starting in like in middle school, actually. <laughs> and um, a few years ago, you know, he'd worked on we'd worked on a lot of on some content together. We made a viral video with uh, "Shit New Yorkers Say," and so I had this just this idea in my head for. Um, Haunting Renditions as a web series. Right. For this sort of funny, tongue-in-cheek send-up of, like, VH1 Storytellers or Austin City Limits or MTV Unplugged, something like that. And so just, honestly, just for fun, like, just as a sort of fun vanity project, we made five of those videos. We shot them all in a day in New York at Dixon Place. Um, and then from that, you know, it, it, it was sort of like a, a small cult hit. We didn't expect much from it. Right. But I had, it, you know, we came up with the idea of like turning it into a live show because the five piece band and the music itself just, we just, it just seemed like something that was begging to be performed live. Right. And uh, for me, I, you know, I was someone who was, uh, you know, um, performing comedy all around New York and doing improv doing improv and then storytelling and then some multimedia stuff and stand-up and nothing ever felt nothing I, n- none of those versions of comedy ever felt truly organic to me right and uh figuring out how to do haunting auditions and to make it a show and to be able to make it a sh- the kind of show that i could also bring to other shows through you know just singing to tracks the whole thing the whole brand became something that I very quickly felt was mine and my my own signature style and unique to me, and um, it just became the perfect way for me to, the perfect format for me to use on stage. And so, yeah, it basically came out of that web series and also really finding the most organic way for me to feel like I was doing something special on stage, right. uh, you know. 
comedy-wise. Right, definitely. And it's so hard when, you know, you're a creative person working on other things. It's so hard to find that kind of balance where you're still being creative on your own as well. So, I mean, I think that's awesome that you were able to find this outlet. Oh, thanks. I mean, in the comedy scene in New York, it's so uh, familial and um, almost incestuous to a certain degree because (laughs) everyone in that world is really... You know, in the, in more of the alt comedy world, not necessarily the clubs, but in the alt sort of downtown comedy thing, or whatever you want to call it, uh, people are always collaborating on projects and web series right. and other people's shows, and it's very familial. And, um, you know, to be able to, I think it required me to go through those, to go through that process of just collaborating with a bunch of people and, you know, doing favors for people and those other people doing favors for me and you know really sort of cutting my teeth in that scene it really helped me figure out exactly what I like to do best and what I think sets me apart on stage from other people right definitely and can attendees since this happens to fall on the officially unofficial holiday of 420 can attendees expect any 420 themed shenanigans or songs Definitely. We're working on, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, that will be, that will be there for sure. Awesome. And how, you know, speaking of, you know, kind of like songs and stuff, how do you plan your set list? Do you have, you know, a sta- standbys that you kind of revisit uh, or a favorite artist that kind of pops up every show? No. Um, so Mike Fram, who um, is on the keyboard, he um, helps arrange all the songs. Okay. He was our um, musical director in our acapella group at NYU and we always saw eye to eye on we always just have to share the same sense of humor mm-hmm. so this show is a pretty much a natural outgrowth of that and so Mike is a music teacher and high school principal now and so together we sort of I have a I have a humongous Google Doc filled with songs that I've been keeping track of for years <laughs> um, in knowing that I wanted it to eventually um, apply it in some way on stage and so we have tons and tons of songs at the ready um, to be arranged. But in terms of our canon at this point, we have a, a good uh, 20 or 25 songs ready to go at any time. And ultimately, you know, we're all very busy and Mike is literally a, <laughs> a high school principal. So, right. <laughs> you know, his time is also very precious and he's a new father. So at this rate and, you know, in keeping the show by coastal, we always try to do at least one new song and maybe some sort of medley or something, some special bit that um, is, is new to the show. Okay. So it's, it's an ongoing library, you know, and we ro- try to rotate um, as often as possible. But even, you know, even now there are sort of these great um, crowd, these like, you know, crowd pleasers that always seem to do well. And, you know, it's, easy, it, it's become easier to gauge which songs are going to have more impact on people. Right. Just no, just in having done them for so long, we now know crowds really love hearing, um, you know, uh, an Avril Lavigne song more than, say, Mandy Moore. Like, there's a <laughs> more of a nostalgic factor to some songs than others. And right. So, um, just over time, we've learned which songs really, you know, land more than others. Okay. 
Fair enough. And, you know, how do you pick the guests that come with you? You know, you've had some pretty big guests, um, you know, as part of this, and you're going to have Thorgy Thorg as this week, this yeah. month's guest. You know, how do you pick who, it, who you bring on? Uh, um, it's really just like a matter of taste, you know. I mm-hmm. feel very lucky to know so many, to be just surrounded by so many peers whose work I so admire. Right. And so it hasn't you know, it's it's been it's been a really fun experiment to um, move from, you know, what we were doing for a long time was I was sort of handing over the stage to other performers, and um, we decided that it would be more fun for me to stay on stage and really interact with these guests, not mm-hmm. just because they're so talented, but because it's so fun to have to really you know show my right. relationship to them, especially if we're friends. Right. Um, and so ultimately, uh, it's really just a matter of, it's a wish list. It's just an ongoing wish list <laughs> of people I want to work with and people who might not necessarily be straight up comedians or straight up musicians, but we like to sort of find a middle ground between the two. And so I've just been lucky enough to have people whose work I just think is so great to begin with, you know? Right. Thorgy Thor is like my favorite drag race contestant of all time, and I think he's so so funny and so special and so unique and even in just you know communicating with him as we figure out what we're going to be doing at the show he's just a magical a magical creature (laughs) and i'm so uh so psyched and so privileged and honored that um that he's doing the show i I just i'm such an admirer of his work and so that really was just born out of a a wish list you know that's 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 who I've wanted on the show ever since I saw him on Drag Race, and you know, and he's a New Yorker, so it's, it was a, a a no-brainer. Awesome. And and aside from you know you changing a little bit how you interact with the guests that you bring on stage, how else has the show changed since you first started doing it? Um, it's just I think I've just gotten more comfortable on stage. You know, mm-hmm. initially the show was a sort of a little bit of a character thing where I was kind of playing an exaggerated version of myself, some sort of like hyper arrogant musicologist and talking <laughs> about these songs. And at this point, just because of time, but also because of my own maturity and, and comfort on stage with the, with the format. Right. I, I've, I've really sort of moved the show into more of an autobiographical place. Okay. And, um, really sort of let loose more than I did at the beginning. And that includes with the band, you know. It's, right. Um, they're really a huge part of the show, and we've become a real family of sorts. And so that's been a really fun thing, too, is to interact with the band um, in a way that, that, that lets them be as crucial to the show as any other element, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's just been a a lot of um a lot about just being more comfortable on stage and you know i think a really intimidating thing for me is in my brain to reason with the to 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 figure out the structure of the show the parameters and the limitations of the show Mm -hmm. is is intimidating because i'm create you know i'm creating a thing that you haven't seen before, so and I haven't seen before. So in in 
in finding out exactly what it is, it's, it's kind of trepidatious because I'm basically, you know, painting the, painting the, the picture. And so it's, you know, that can, be, that can be really intimidating. And so I think, at least for my peace of mind, the ability to continue to add a very specific structure to what the show looks like mm-hmm. without, keep, without limiting it creative, creatively has been a real, um, a real part of why the show continues to evolve. Right. And what would you say right now is the worst popular song that's on the airwaves, you know, whether it's streaming or um, on the radio, that old thing? I mean, I think, you know, people are, people hate the chain smokers. Um, <laughs> They really do. They hate the chain smokers. I don't particularly care one way or the other about the chain smokers. I think the worst music on on the radio right now is Megan Trainer. I I, I, I <laughs> can't just put into words how I, I, her music. I keep I, the only way I describe her, her music is by saying that it's literally it sounds like kids bop, but it's already been. <laughs> but it doesn't need to be. You know, it's. it's it came out as kids bop. It sounds like music that's been watered down for for children, right? Um, all, already, like it doesn't need to go through any other process to make it more um, juvenile. It, it already sounds. Right. I just I find her. I think she's a, has a is a really good singer, but I find her and her brand and her aesthetic to be so juvenile and empty and. Uh, just dumb, you know? Right. Um, and, and that's not to say she's not a good musician. She's clearly very, very talented. I just think that whatever direction she's taken to, to, to sort of whatever identity she's created, it feels to me to be so cheap and hollow and the music is so tinny and sounds, it's like sounds artificial to me. I right. I agree. Describe it. it just sounds artificial. <laughs> And, and speaking of, you know, sticking on that line of kind of things that make us want to stick our, you know, stick something sharp in our ears. You know, you've said, I've read recently that, you know, your main obsession is Ashley Simpson, who, yeah. oh my gosh, like my teeth hurt just thinking about it right now. Have you ever thought about reaching out to do a duet with her? No. <laughs> I mean, what, how, I mean, you know, it's like, the reason I'm obsessed with Ashley Simpson is because... She is she is someone who was a bona fide pop star who could not sing. And that was like, you know, it, w- it was too early to use this term, but in a way that was like her brand. Right. That's why I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with watching her um, her old show on MTV, which is on YouTube now. Oh and God. I don't know how or why they got away with it, especially with her dad being the executive producer. But the whole subversive element of the show was that she was a pop star who couldn't sing. And the show seemed to focus on the fact that she couldn't sing at practice, she couldn't sing at rehearsals, right. she couldn't sing live. And then she had, you know, acid reflux or like, <laughs> you know, she was going to doctors to see what was wrong with her voice, right. her throat. And it was like, yeah, you just can't sing. That's what's wrong with your voice. You're not a singer. And I'm, I'm just obsessed with it. I think it's such a fascinating uh, like product of the teeny bopper generation and just this this sort of it, it was sort of like the residue of that because she was being billed as the anti-pop star the right you know a, a sort of avril lavigne type and 
you know, that, that box had already been checked off by Avril. <laughs> right, exactly. Actually, Simpson do it. It was, I just think it's so fascinating. And so, no, I wouldn't reach out because I don't think she's a singer. I don't know. I don't think she, I don't think she makes music anymore, you know? And yeah. that, that is also fascinating that it's like, well, I don't know what she's famous for now, but she's still famous. And more importantly, even if she's not relevant, you know, her mother is Diana. Her mother-in-law is Diana Ross. I know that is crazy. Diana Ross's son, which is the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> imagine Diana Ross and Ashley Simpson sitting at the Thanksgiving table together is one of the greatest joys of my life. <laughs> that should be like a like a web series or some kind of reality show because that no. has got to be something. Oh my god, I would kill to see <laughs> Ashley and Diana. Talk, duking it out over like you know with like mother-in-law microaggression <laughs> that would be fantastic and you know you're also pretty vocal about your love of the 90s which you know is the decade from which i came of age as well you know what is one band from that decade that you think just does not get their due or hasn't gotten their due or um well i feel like 90s r&b has had some sort of Re, like a uh, reemergence recently in like almost like hipstery or music that sort of bends into like an alternative R&B world. Right. Um, someone like Jojo is mm-hmm. really great at bringing it back. Kehlani is fantastic. Um, Mac Wilds, I love his sort of take on it. I think, you know, for me, I don't know if she doesn't get her due, but I think Erica Badu is such a fascinating musician and person, and she's done so much, and she, yeah, I just don't think she, she probably doesn't really get the reverence that she deserves. Mm -hmm. I think she gets respect. I think people respect her, but I don't think she gets reverence for her body of work, which is so impressive across the board. She is, you know, she's more than a singer. She's more than a songwriter. You know, she's more than an actress. She also, like, hosts, like, aside from being all of that and the fact that she as a person is incredibly cool and out there, she also, like, hosted, I think, the Soul Train Awards or something. And she's funny. Like, she's actually really fucking funny. So I'm just, I just think she's so talented. And, uh, yeah, again, maybe I'm sure she I think she gets respect, but I don't think she's revered for mm-hmm. what she ha- what she's done, which is a lot. Is she on your wish list for haunting renditions? Yeah, she's my number one and she lives in Brooklyn and she's really funny. So I feel like it's not a crazy it's not the craziest of dreams to have her on the show. Um, but oh God, it would be so cool to <laughs> it would be so cool to see her sort of mix her, you know, musical abilities with her really sharp and funny sense of humor. Right. It's really funny. Well, you need to get on that then, sir. (laughs) Oh, we're trying. We're trying. (laughs) And, you know, aside from doing haunting renditions, you're a wordsmith, you know, who's worked on hits like New Girl, Younger, and Broad City. You know, does your writing process vary from show to show? And also, you know, how does that change when it's, you know, you're writing for Elliot? Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely changes show to show. I think when you get into the writer's room for a show, you're, um, you are tailoring your voice to fit a certain 
you know, comedic aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And that's different on Younger than it is on Broad City, than it is on New Girl. It, you know, it changes from show to show. You're sort of learning how to speak in a, of the language of a show. When I'm writing for myself, it's actually a little more daunting because as much as I know my voice, it's, it's the, the sort of, the sort of um, wide open space of it all mm-hmm. that can be really intimidating um, because I'm making it up as I go, you know, and right. so that to not have a very specific rubric and to to force myself to to limit the structure of the show to certain um, parameters can be tougher. But um, I just a lot of it just really comes from how the audience seems to experience the show month after month, mm-hmm. L.A. to New York festivals it's really a matter of noting what songs and you know what songs and what arrangements and what commentary about specific songs really hits with a crowd and so that also helps me sort of put it into perspective okay fair enough and you know again you're a writer you're a singer you're an actor you're a comedian you know is there a hat left to fit on your head (laughs) um uh um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think to to run my own show would be, um, I think, a really cool experience um, uh, because, you know, as of now, I, I've, I've really only worked on other people's mm-hmm. shows on, on television. And I think, you know, to get to the place where I could um, write my own show, uh, which I'm working on, I think would be a really special and um, a special achievement. And so I'm working towards it. I've, you know, I've got a, a, a show that I sold last year that I'm, I had to awesome. relinquish for uh, contractual obligations, but I'm trying to sell that again. And I think, you know, it would be a vehicle for myself and I think would be a really fun and different and unique show that people would respond to because there's also music built into it as well. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. That'd be great. Thanks. And finally, you've played your sister Alana's brother, in real life, obviously, and on Broad City. Sure. So who was funnier as a kid, you or her? Um, I was ham- much hammier as a kid. <laughs> so I was, I was funny for being hammy, but Alana was funny for being a... Alana was funny just incidentally because she was this, like, cherubic, adorable little tomboy with <laughs> short hair who would literally scale the walls like (laughs) so tiny and she was and there's like video there's literal video of me that i can remember very specifically putting on a show and like you know dancing and singing and 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 cracking jokes and alana is four years younger than me you know the size of a a, a, um a footstool she's literally like climbing the climbing the walls of our living room of our of our living room where there's built-ins and she's climbing the walls like all the way to the top and you know it's like till i get something and that is like that's hilarious she was like incidentally funny where i was the one that was putting on a show um but with that being said you know uh i think we were both uh both funny in our own ways but i was just I think much more of a ham, and I and I think that's also sort of shifted as we've gotten older. She's become the more I think extroverted and hammy one, and I'm a little bit more um, 
cerebral and maybe a little I, I, a little like um, closer to the collar. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is all I have for you, sir. So it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you so, so much for speaking to the High Regard Show. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Have a good awesome. rest of your Bye. weekend. <laughs> you too. Thanks. Ah. Bye-bye. So yeah, so that was my interview with Elliot Glazer. And it was really good. To, I, I really enjoyed talking to him because I love talking to people about, you know, their process and what inspires them. And of course, you know, he has an efficiency or he's an aficionado of the 90s, which of course I am <laughs> as well. And I loved how he like just went off on like Ashley Simpson like and <laughs> Megan Trainer. That was just like, that's just funny because you know? <laughs> he talks about like, it, it's true. Like music today sucks so bad in so many ways, but it's more popular than it ever was before because of like social media and things like that. But what's so strange about music now that everybody hates it. Like, you know, whatever decade you're in at the time, that's the decade of music that everybody hates. True, yeah. Because I swear to God, man, growing up, like, in the 80s, everyone's, every, and, and it did, it sucked. Music in the 80s sucked at the time. It was like, this music is awful. I don't think that's true. When I was a little kid in the 70s, I remember listening to the radio and just being like, I hate everything that's on the radio. Like, I love talk radio. Like, I would, like, sit oh. up at night. I would listen to talk radio <laughs> Says your all podcast through the night. Co-host. Seriously, I would literally listen to, like, the weird, weird shit. Like, Dr. stories Demento. about. No, well, yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. But, like, just strange UFO stories and stories of hypnos- hypnosis things happening and, like, FBI cover-ups and CIA cover-ups and just, like, weird, like. Was this on ham radio? No, it was on like AM, like back in like the seventies, well, and, the same and like thing as ham radio. No, it's not <laughs> the same thing at all. But like in the seventies and eighties, or like up to like the mid eighties, that would be like my go-to thing to listen to. And then those things started phasing out. But like custom music was always just not that good. But in the eighties, I started liking music from the seventies. In the seventies. I was already, I would be like going, if I listen to music, it'd be like music from the 60s. It'd be like all like early Beatles stuff and th- and things like that. Elvis, which I know you like. I love I Elvis, don't, because yeah. Beatles are Elvis, but. That's bullshit. Like that is a total mm-hmm, bullshit mm-hmm. thing. But I would listen to Elvis because he'd come on and I'd be like going, all right, I can handle it now. Beatles, absolutely positively. Kinks, absolutely positively. But that was in the 70s when, you know, their stuff was coming out in the 60s. Then in the 80s, it was kind of like, man, this music is crap. Man, I shouldn't have neglected the seventies. And then it was like, and then so I you're start- telling me that, like in the eighties, you didn't like listening to like Cinderella or Poison or any of those bands like Motley Crue. Not Crew. until like late eighties. Oh my god, I loved like that stuff when it came out. Nope, probably I did not like it until probably like eighty seven is well, when, that's when like, like a lot my of graduation them hit, yeah. year. Well. I feel like, no, because I feel like in ninth, tenth grade, like, I feel like that's, because Def Leppard was huge, and I was kind of like, ah, I can take it or leave it for the most part. Yeah, because like, they I don't came really out. Care like, they and the crew came out in, like, early 80s, and yeah. then, like, Poison came at, like, the midpoint. 
And I was just like, no, this is ridiculous. And by that time, I was thinking of, you know, I don't know, I was just not into it. And I was more, what's considered classic rock today is what I was listening to, like, in the 80s. I remember the first time, like, because, of course, like, you know, back home, I would listen to, like, the classic rock station that I always listened to as a kid. That's why. I still do when you go back home. I do, yeah, because it's, like, the only radio station worth listening to, to be honest. And they're still playing the same exact songs. Is it the Eagle? Is it the Mountain? Is it the River? (laughs) Like, which one is it? It's always, like, some kind of. (laughs) It's always some kind of animal name. Some animal or nature shit. (laughs) Like, this is what's going on. They just, like, what should we name it? They look out the window and they're like, there's the name. Tree. (laughs) The tree. (laughs) Nine 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 the tree. <laughs> one oh one the oak. <laughs> okay, very good. But that's the kind of music that like we listen to. Like, you know, I constantly listen to classic rock. So like you know, when New Kids on the Block were like a big thing, I wasn't like a big fan. Like I because I was listening to like this forbidden music that, you know, none of my friends were listening to, but my older brother was and like my mom let us listen to. So those were the kind of things that like you know, I would listen to and stuff, so. And I feel like it makes you more legit, too. What do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, when new stuff came out, somehow everybody was able to find out about it super quickly. Like, I like I specifically remember Cinderella. Like, when Cinderella came out and Rat, for whatever reason. Rat, my God, I loved Rat. When they came out, I remember driving around with my friends and them putting it on and them just, like, rattling off facts, like, at thousand miles about an hour. Stephen Piercy. And just like, they're going to be huge. They're going to be like the, the next biggest round thing. Round and round. And, and no joke, like seriously, within like a year, they were massive. Like, because they caught them like on like the beginning of this thing. Right. And it was just like, look, man, I don't play an instrument. I don't read like Guitar Player Magazine or <laughs> Teen Beat or Cream Circus. or whatever it was they were listening to. You didn't listen to, hit, like, what was it? Metal Edge. Oh, my God. I had a subscription to no. Metal Edge. I had a no. subscription to Metal Edge and Hit Parade. Guitar Pro. Like, it would just be like all these weird things that they would they would read because they were, like, in bands and they played and stuff. So, I mean, they would have, like, the, the crest of the wave where I would be, like, going, look, for me, it's easier to research something like... Steelers wheel because they've been around for a long enough time where I can like know what it is. And they are part of the family. It's a little known fact about Tom is he's related to Jerry Rafferty of Steelers wheel. Yes, he is a distant cousin. He is a distant cousin. Well, was a distant cousin until he... Rest in peace. Well, yeah, there's that. So... And now I'm stuck in the middle with you. That's it. (laughs) Joke is to the left of me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So anyway, so it was just easier to, to to be like going, okay, well, I've been listening to this, even though I didn't like it in the 70s. Right. Till now. Like, it's just easier to kind of draw from that well than it is to just pull all these facts out and read like a thousand magazines to keep up with what was going on. Sure. Yeah. So. Like, I was kind of like on my own because none of my friends were into, honestly, like your beloved extreme was like the first like group of that genre that like drew my friends together because more than words was such a massive hit. My friends were like, Oh, these bands that you're listening to, they write these like love songs that are like capturing everything I'm going through as a seventh grader in love for the first time. And it's like, no, they're much better than this because they're like, melt your face. <laughs> and uh, that's not what Modern Words is about. <laughs> I know. I know that. But we didn't know that back then when we were listening to the song no Under the does. Basketball Hoop 
on a radio that ran on like double A batteries. <laughs> That's why when they play it like on like, you know, now they'll play it on like soft rock channels and it's kinda like, You play that porn on your channel, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, listen to it. And of course, you can go into our back catalog and hear directly from Pat Badger of Extreme. That's where right. he talks about that song and much, much more. Yeah. With super fan Tom. <laughs> let's shut up, man. That was a good interview. It was a really good interview. He was really awesome. But let's to. get back to this one really yes. quick. <laughs> so just to be able to like do your own project after working on so many different projects right. is a huge accomplishment. Exactly. Because I feel like especially for somebody who's an accredited writer, usually I feel like especially in this kind of business – once you prove yourself in one aspect of it, you kind of get pulled into like, we don't necessarily want you for other things. We want you to be the writer guy. And I mean, he has so many right. successful so writing many credits. credits. Right, absolutely. And I mean, and they are huge credits. I mean, that's like one thing, like, oh, he wrote for this. But like everything that he's written for has been a huge hit. Yeah. You know, but, you know, again, we know what it's like, especially when we work in jobs where, you know, we're creative in our jobs. And there's like, there was times where like, I would come home from work and be like, oh my God, like I'm not feeling creative because like all of my stuff goes to what I have to do at work, you know? And that's why we started the podcast and things like that. And that's why <laughs> years ago I started doing like that 365 day project where it's like, I need to write something every single day for myself just to keep me happy. And like, even if it's just writing bullshit, you know, by the window in our bedroom, by the light of like the outside lamp, like it's just to keep myself creative. And like, you have to keep you creative you like while you're giving so much to a tv show or a newspaper or you know whatever your creative day job is and i think that's really awesome that he's been able to take this and turn this into not just his baby but turn it into something that like people really love oh yeah without a doubt i mean because that's the hardest part it's like it's like you could be the person behind you could be the best person behind the scenes, but nobody will ever know what you truly want to do until you step out and do it. Right, exactly. And I mean, I think it's just really cool that he's been able to find something that just kind of is truly Elliot, and it's not Elliot as the Elliot of New Girl, the Elliot of Broad City. You know, it's just this is him, and this is what he loves to do. Yeah, it's not just hey, this is John Glazer's brother. Well, it's an extent, well, he's not John Glazer's brother. <laughs> I know. But it still blows me away. But maybe it's like, the, it's maybe it's maybe his show that he alluded to that he's working on, which has music in it, you know, which obviously it should because he's such a good singer and he loves music so much. So maybe he and John Glazer, maybe we're cracking, we're scooping the world that his upcoming show is going to be glazer with a z versus glazer with an s and it's gonna be like a sing-off competition oh my god i just made it i just cracked it I, you know what i cracked you know what you did you know what you did you got yourself a lawsuit if that's actually gonna be the oh show my god, i'm so sorry elliot oh my god Please hey everybody say. we just scooped it so how about this <laughs> And then, like, he'll call you up. Like, he'll, you'll get a cease and desist for the podcast until they oh figure God. out, like, how you figured out, like, what the show is now. Because I am a stalker of a journalist, Elliot. That's why. We're not experts on anything. So, please, <laughs> if you believe that this is actually a thing, it is by complete coincidence if that is the case. That I'm is sorry. The- it was just my fever dream talking. 
Good lord, man. Don't guess at these things. Like, don't guess at something that can get you into a lawsuit, Mickey, for Christ's sakes. I know, and now he's going to be like, God damn it, there goes another contractual <laughs> issue. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that was our interview with Elliot. Thank you so, so, so much for talking to us. It was so great having you on the show. And if you are in the Brooklyn or New York area, you should definitely check out Haunting Renditions Live with Elliot Glazer and this month's installment with Thorgy Thor and Michelle Buteau. And that's Thursday, April 20th at the Bell House. And tickets are 15 bucks, and it starts at 8.30. You can't do anything in Brooklyn for 15 bucks. Exactly. Take advantage. You can't even get a hot fudge sundae from Junior's for 15 bucks anymore. Why did you have to go and say a hot fudge sundae from Junior? I'm thinking about a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I mean, you know, the Bell House is in Brooklyn. You know, Junior's is in Brooklyn. It's 4.20. So, like... If Elliot sings a stoner type song in honor, like he alluded that like he's working on a set list, I'm hoping it would be something from Snoop or Cypress Hill. That's what I would hope for personally. Not the Grateful Dead because you love them as well. I do love the Grateful Dead. How much more stoner are you going to get than that? Fish. I hate fish. I know you do. I hate them so much. But the dead, like I like studio dead. Like I, I mean, I like I like the live dead just because of the atmosphere. <laughs> you just like the live dead because you don't have to bring your own weed. <laughs> <laughs> I like the contact high that one gets at a dead show. I mean, there was a period once where like I blacked out at a show and I missed like a forty-five minute drum solo that I have been told was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But this way you can go back and tell your mom. I swear to God, I didn't smoke a thing. <laughs> I didn't smoke anything. It's the same reason why I loved Laser Floyd, man. Well, there you go. <laughs> It all works out. So thanks again, Elliot, and be sure to check out Haunting Renditions, which will obviously be linked uh, on our show, um, and, you know, in the show description. And you could also check out Elliot, E-L-I-O-T-G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. Thank you, Elliot. Shall we get into this week's Roly Poly Rorty? Sure. Roly Poly Rorty. Roly <laughs> okay, so what's going on with Roly Poly Rorty? You're just staring at me like a like a well, slug. Well, how do we put a theme music to end? What do you want me to tell you? Oh, I thought I waited long enough. Well, come on, man. You got to give me a minute here for crying out loud. I, what am I going to talk over the song? Uh, you're used to talking over things. Well, if you count yourself as a thing, then all right. Sorry, I apologize. So um, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with Roly Poly Rorty this week? Um, you have some pretty big news. Like big news. Yeah, man, I thought I was going to be down like 108 this week. And <laughs> no, I'm down like 111 as of this week. 111 pounds. 111 pounds. And it is just coming up on the six-month mark. This is where I should be at my 18th-month mark. That's incredible. Like, And I'm at it at six. Like, I wonder <laughs> if you should be in like a case study or something. Because like that's a, that's really quick. Yeah, don't you feel like I have some kind of like weird sickness? You like, probably it could be like do. It's like going, oh, there's the parasite we were originally looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like going, yeah, you really shouldn't be. Now, this week coming up, like, in fact, the day the show gets released is the day that I get to go and see my bariatric surgeon for the first time for the six-month follow-up appointment. Right. And when I see him, it's going to be interesting to see, like, I want to know what his reaction to it is. Like, yeah. Because, 
I don't know. I'm not concerned about losing weight too fast because I know at some point, no matter what, it's going to plateau. It's going to stop, yeah. Because even if I didn't eat from here on out for the rest of my life, I think I have enough skin and bones on me that, you know, it's going to be like you're at the 160-pound mark. This is as good as it's going to get even if you, like, dropped right now. Right. That's the most you can possibly lose. Like, I can't imagine being able to lose – get under 160 pounds. I mean, honestly, like, 100 pounds is ridiculous. Like, that's just, like, a ridiculous number. You know? Like, most people are just like, oh, my God, I can't even lose, like, 20 pounds, which, you know, I have – I can't lose 20 pounds. And it's just fascinating that it's like, wow, like, you lost, like – Five times that. Well, the goal is to lose 140 pounds. That was the original goal. And when he asked me, he goes, how much weight do you want to lose? I had just seen the heart doctor. And you're like, all all, all of it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, my first response was, how much can I lose? Because I had seen, like, the the mental patient doctor who was like, you know, let's put a balloon in your stomach and you can lose all of, you know – 35 to 70 pounds and sure. it was like no nah, that's not gonna work for me but the heart doctor was like you know to be in perfect physical shape you have to be like 165 pounds so when the bariatric surgeon before he started you know the process do mm-hmm. surgery and he said how much do you want to lose i'm like i would like to lose 140 and he goes that's the number i was thinking too and he goes and says 140 would put you in the perfect weight he goes and says because once you get to 165 you're you're said he goes and says because you're perfect in the body mass index chart and he goes mm-hmm. and says like you'll never have to go to a doctor and have them say you can lose five pounds you can lose 10 pounds you know and you'll be a lot healthier right. like you're there like you won't have to lose anything else like that's that's what you need to be and you could just be like no i'm perfect go look at a chart and you'll be able to like hold that up oh to my them. god you just want somebody to say you're perfect pretty much I never had that before. Just somebody, I want them to pet my head while they say it too. And I just want them to just pet I my pet head, your head and all just the be time. like, you're perfect. And I'll be like, thank you. Oh my God, whatever. <laughs> so, like just now, I'm definitely not doing that. So whatever. <laughs> but but I'm thinking to myself that, all right, great. I'm like, 140 pounds sounds like an absolutely incredible feat. I don't see it actually happening maybe 110 you know in 18 months that might be a great great goal man holy shit 110 pounds in 18 months would be incredible yeah like and you were 300 and some pounds at that point so you're like that that's like a lot to like even be able to fathom yeah man it'd be like that's crazy to be like under 200 pounds to be under 200 from being 300 would be incredible it's insanity but now being down 110 and being down to almost 180 pounds, like that's what I'm creeping up. Oh, 280 pounds. What am I creeping? 180 pounds is what I'm creeping up on next. That's the next goal. Like, right. It's all, and that's only like a couple of pounds away. 180 pounds, man. It's like only 20 pounds away from goal weight six months in. Like, you know, like by – by the time I get there, and I'll be a little bit much. But. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what it is. But it seems like obtainable now, where it didn't before. Right, when you were like at first getting it. And of course, like why would it? Like that's, you know, insane. But I mean still, like, you know, um, I wouldn't say if, look, man, if you are doing this just for the vanity portion for it, and I keep saying this all the time, do not do this just for looks. 
it is not worth it just for looks. If you have a health issue and you need to do it for that reason, then yes, do it. Because the motivating factor behind the continual weight loss and keeping the weight off Mm -hmm. is not, hey, I look good. Because no matter what you do, you're still going to see yourself the same all the time. It's not wanting to feel the pain and feel sick. Right, of course. That's the motivation. But I think, like, I don't think that this is, like, a surgery that most people would go into. A lot of people will. For the pain, though. Like, I think that when people think of bariatric surgery, they think of, but, you know, you have to be a certain, like, weight level to get bariatric surgery. So, I mean, weight obviously, like, affects so many different health things. So, right. But you didn't do yours for cosmetic reasons. A lot of people do do it for cosmetic reasons. A lot of people do. And and they can get away with it because once your body mass index passes 40, you're you're eligible to your insurance company. And the higher past 40 you are, the better you are. Right. So I feel like a lot of people who have gone through it and it didn't work for them, it's because they qualified. Their doctor said, "Hey, listen, you have a you're going to have a bunch of health issues down the road. You sure. need to lose a bunch of weight. Like you could try these diets, and maybe they tried diets or whatever. They failed on the diets. The doctors say, "Look, man, we could try this surgery." And they're like, "Going, all right, great. It's quick fix." And you lose weight rapidly, and they probably feel great while they're losing the weight. But there was no consequence for them if they didn't lose the weight because right. they weren't to a point where they were in pain or anything like sure, that. Sure, yeah. So they go back to bad habits and then they wind up gaining it all back. And then they're like, well, the surgery didn't work. Yeah, but it's like, no, you didn't do the work that needed to make the surgery work. Right. And and why would you? Seriously, I mean, if you weren't feeling pain in the beginning and everything worked out and then you just had the surgery and you lost weight, why would you? So, you know, I don't know if I would still recommend it to everyone, but I mean, if you need it, the weight loss is a definite, you know, Plus, it's, right. it's, it, it, it does work. It's just a matter of you got to keep at it, man. Like every day if you, you want ice cream. Great. Have a spoonful of ice cream or two, but you know, you're not going to have like, a, you're not going to go to juniors. Like we were just saying, right. I crave it. I want it. Right. But I know if I went to Junior's, I would waste an entire Sunday. Right. I would say, Nikki, buy a Sunday so I can have a couple of bites of Sunday. And that's what Sunday. we've been doing, though. Like, I mean, we haven't gone out to eat a lot because, you know, of health issues that we've both been having and things like that. But, like, you know, when we're home, we still only get Blue Apron for two people, you know, mm-hmm. for, for Tyler and I. And then you and I split, you know, you have a couple bites of whatever we're having and then you're done for the night. You know, so, like... I'm eating a little less. I mean, there's been some issues with me kind of like going on a little bit of binges here and there while I've been recovering from my surgery because I'm like... Well, being in the house Right, too. and I'm feeling cooped up, you know, and I'm, I've started taking like my walks and stuff and I'm going back to work, you know, later this week. So, you know, I'm looking forward to... I mean, I'm sure I'm going to be bitching and complaining and just hating all of it. Get ready for next week's show, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> a little preview. But like, I'm looking forward to just moving You know, and like, because my eating habits, like I'm not going to be here and just being like, oh my God, like I can't go outside right now because I have to like work or I have to do something. And it's like just feeling that cooped upness. Yeah. So like, I think that like once that happens and I establish life outside of the house again, like I think that I'm really going to be able to see the weight loss that should come from, you know, the surgery that I had. Yeah. And I think that that's normal. I think anybody that gets locked in the house for any amount of time, you know, like, because I mean, Think about a city apartment. I mean, what do we have? We have two bedrooms, 
a living room, a bathroom, and a kitchen. There's nothing to do like in the bathroom. The bedroom you sleep in, you don't want to you don't want to wake up and spend the rest of the day and in you've there. You've been hogging the shit out of that lately. And, well, yeah, lately. <laughs> so I mean, you got the living room and you got the kitchen left. Yeah. If you're spend most of your workday while you're working from home in the living room, the only place you can go and see that looks different is the kitchen. And the only thing to do in the kitchen is to go and get in trouble. Like it is literally right. or like, you know, cook cook the dinner like the blue apron and stuff like that or you know. Right. Yeah. But, so I mean, you know, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, what happens once I go back to work. And hopefully, like, I'm, I'm excited to, like, go back to my smoothie truck and kind of, like, like, I've been eating breakfast, like, really well. But then, like, I'm just, like, picking. Like, I'm just. Well, that's it, I'm man. antsy. Like, I'm just antsy. And it's, like. And it's I, weird shit we're eating, too. Because, I mean, we don't have a lot of unhealthy stuff in the no, house. No, no, because I can't. Like, so, like, Tyler had the flu last week. So yeah. we go and we get, like, you know, a bunch of crackers like for her i ate an entire sleeve of saltines but that's the thing like we would never eat an entire sleeve of saltines but that's all we have and it's that's how you know it's a mental thing where it's kind of like because i'm we're just bored yeah and i'm like (laughs) i'm i'm a binger you know like i would just sit there like a goldfish everything so you know things are gonna get back on track and we're gonna get healthy and we're gonna you know get back to doing this together and then you're gonna yell at me into running eventually but yeah i can't wait man i can't wait to get back out there and start running again a couple soon, more soon, weeks i soon, think soon so we'll see and i think that's it for this week's uh roly-poly roadie if all right unless you have anything to add no all right then play that music so i think that's a wrap on this episode as well huh uh-huh all righty then so I hope you had a happy high holidays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's trademark, so don't even try to steal it. I'm sure that has been mentioned many, <laughs> many times before. Whatever. <laughs> so um, thank you to Elliot Glazier. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. You were awesome. Yes. Yes. And um, what else we got going? Anything else going on no, or anything like that's that? that's it. I think just... Tell them how to find out more about us. All right. If you want to find out more about us or Elliot Show, check out our website at highregardshow.com. Or if you have any comments, suggestions, or any random little tidbits you want to send in, which we do get sometimes and just look at and be like, why are you writing to (laughs) us? Send them to highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could always follow us on social media where we share little facts about HRS, little behind the scenes things. And we also share some of the funnier quotes from our show because there are some that are funny and you like them. So that just fuels us. You could find us on all social media as High Regard Show. Yep. And that's it for us, everybody. Um, Hope you have a great week and we will see you again next week. Catch you later. Good night.
Make me happy. Happy.